0: Welcome to Just Talkin' Story, brought to you by LifeWithAngie.com, home of the blog, We're Not Crazy, We're Just a Little Insane. Now, let's talk story. Mad dogs and Englishmen go out in the noonday sun, so says the old song. There's no truer words than have ever been sung. My mother and her family are all very, very British. Being raised around them probably accounts for a lot of the reasons I am the way I am. My grandfather, Leonard, was an engineer with the Rolls-Royce Motor Company during the war. He was part of the development team for the engine design for the British Spitfire fighter plane. He spoke as any typical proper English gentleman would, which was very rarely and mostly unintelligibly. When he would speak at all, he would do so with a pipe firmly clenched between his teeth and a a minimum of enunciation. The most I could understand was the occasional, Oh, I say, good lad, good lad, stiff up a lip pip pip chew and all that sort of thing. As a key part of the war effort, my grandfather was relocated to the relative safety of Australia during the height of the German bombing of England. His family, however, was not. They were out in a small town called Yeoville near the coastal resort area of Somerset. My mother often related how she could hear the German bombers and later on in the war the dreaded buzz bombs flying over their houses on the way to London. It was during this time that my Uncle Peter was born. This was very curious to the family as Grandpa Leonard had been in Australia for two years already and had not been able to make a visit home since he left. I suppose they assumed he was indeed a very brilliant engineer and had somehow impregnated my grandmother via the Postal Service. Now, the Postal Service may have been involved, we're not quite sure if Grandpa added anything to it. My grandmother, her name was Gwendolyn, uh, was not offering any uh, other explanation and it wouldn't been, have been proper to ask anyway. I often wondered about my grandmother, as she was certainly a very strange person to a young boy as me. I remember the time she decided to model my Auntie Pat's work costume for us during a visit. My auntie, my mother's older and only sister, was a very famous exotic dancer during the war and afterwards in the USA. The entertainer Dean Martin would hire my aunt to pop out of the large cake at his celebrity parties that he would host. I was told that my auntie had the incredible talent of making the tassels that were attached to the pasties on her ample bosoms to go in opposite directions at the same time. This was the top half of her work uniform that my grandmother modeled for us three boys and our mother. Mom was not fazed, but we were quite impressed. I told my grandmother, gee, Auntie Gwen, uh, that's what we were instructed to call her, at least you'll never have to sweep the walk in front of you as long as you have that thing on. Uh, this was met with a cold stare from my grandma and a stifled snort from my mother. I have yet to develop the talent of being able to switch on my brain before engaging my mouth. I often recall the famous Auntie Gwen scrubs we would get in the bath when we crossed her. It consisted of a very short, stiff bristled scrub brush applied vigorously to your bare body as an by an overzealous grandmother. Uh, the blame for most of my family's odd behavior can be firmly placed at the feet of this side of my lineage. For example, my mother and her uh, brother shared a room above the bedroom of their grandmother. In those days, the WC, or as we call it, the toilet, was located outside in the back of the home. At my, my, my at night, my great-grandmother, would, uh, who lived with them of course, would use a white porcelain chamber pot that she kept under the bed. Uh, my mother and her brother once tied a large elastic band between the chamber pot handle and the bed frame, and then, that night, They would listen to the floor as Granny drugged the chamber pot out for her usual nighttime tinkle. When she let go of the handle and tried to sit down on it on the thing, it slid back under the bed and Granny's bum went down hard on the cold floor. This started Granny loudly voicing her displeasure and woke up the rest of the house. The next night, they started phase two of their plan. Instead of the elastic band, they sprinkled seltzer powder in the bottom of the white chamber pot. As they listened, they heard Granny drag the pot out and loudly feel around for any trick elastic bands. Finding none, she settled down onto the pot and proceeded proceeded with the tinkling. When the warm liquid hit the seltzer, it caused a sudden foaming action that quickly met Granny's unsuspecting backside. This resulted in round two of the previous night's performance. I was told that my great-grandmother died young. Hmm. Another account my mother related to me about her mother's quite selfish and greedy sister. It seemed that during the war years, the rationing of all goods was done. This included such luxuries as sweets and chocolates. A favorite snack of the day was called confection balls, which consisted of small pellets of baked cookie dough rolled in confection sugar. It came in a distinctive red-striped bag. On one occasion, my grandmother managed to get a bag of these rare treats. As she was sharing them with the family, her sister came into the room and exclaimed, Oh, confection bowls! May I have some? My grandmother offered the bag to her sister, who promptly grabbed as much as she could fit into her hand and stuffed them into her mouth. This irritated my grandmother to no end. The next week, she took the now-empty bag and visited the rabbit pens behind the house. After procuring the conveniently similar-shaped pellets that come out of a rabbit's little colon, She rolled them in powdered sugar and placed them in the familiar red striped bag. As she entered the home with her new bag of treats, her sister again exclaimed her delight and asked for a taste. Grandmother graciously offered her the bag, got the same result as last time. She happily watched her greedy little sister stuff a large handful of the treats in her mouth, and she never had a problem with her again. One of my favorite stories my mother would tell me about Auntie Gwen was the time early in my grandparents' marriage when they took in boarders to their home. Today it would be called a bed and breakfast inn, but in in those days before the war it was common practice in the English countryside. On this occasion they had just taken in a new boarder, a, a young man approximately my grandfather's age, that was passing through the area on the way to a new job. Just before dinner, my grandfather told my grandmother that he was going to go upstairs for a bath and to come and get him when dinner was ready. When my grandfather went up to the bathroom, he found that the new boarder was already using the bath at the time, so he proceeded outside to finish some chores. When dinner was ready, my grandmother went upstairs to get Grandpa, and when she opened the bathroom door, she was met with a sight of a naked backside bent over, rinsing out the tub. She simply reached up between his legs and rang his bell while announcing Ding dong, dinner's ready. She promptly turned around and headed downstairs, only to be met by my grandfather as he entered the home from his chores outside. To add insult to injury at dinner, this now much shaken young man was seated next to my grandma for dinner. She was serving fresh salmon. During the course course of dinner, grandma glanced down on the man's lap and saw a pink thing that she thought was a dropped piece of fish. Unfortunately for the new boarder, it was not a dropped piece of fish from dinner, but it was his bell cord that my grandma had recently pulled to announce the meal. In his poor attempt to gather himself together after the dinner bell episode, he had neglected to properly fasten the front of his pants. In those days, uh, commando was the common undergarment of the English working man. The result of his neglect to fasten himself properly was grandmother plunging her fork into his lap, attempting to impale the errant piece of dinner. "'Mustn't waste,' she said cheerfully while jabbing the sharp instrument into his nether regions. This was way too much for the young man, so he jumped up from the table and gathered all his belongings and promptly left the establishment in protection of his future progeny, and to get away from that obviously mad young woman. Meanwhile, Grandfather glanced up at the commotion with his ever-present pipe firmly clenched between his teeth and muttered, "'I say, what an odd duck!' Then he blissfully went back to smoking his pipe. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that story. If you have any suggestions or comments, uh, please leave them at lifewithangie.com on the comment page. and They'll get to me. If you'd like to buy the Storyteller a cup of coffee, it just happens to be a coffee cup icon that you can click on to do that. We'll see you next time.